Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Morning and you're listening to Dirt Radio. I'd like to start this broadcast by acknowledging that we are coming from the uh, stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, uh, where sovereignty was never ceded. And I'd like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Um, so today we have on the air, um, we have Michelle Baxter from the uh, Strzelecki Koala Action uh Team. Scat. Yeah. How are you doing, Michelle? Good. Thank you. Sorry, it is a bit of a mouthful. Um, you did get there. But yes, we, I am here today presenting on behalf of Scat. So um, thank you for um, having us on the show. No worries. I'll just see if I can get Sam in. Are you there, Sam? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Sorry. I had a, had a slight fumble. So Sam is also with us today, but um, she is coming from home in a second sanctioned isolation. How's it going in uh, the bunker there, Sam? <laughs> uh, well, child number two has now got COVID. So yeah, second seven day ISO. So far I'm uh, all clear according to the rapid test, but being cautious, don't want to spread the germs around 3CR or to you, Jack, or you, Michelle. So, yeah, at home in ISO HQ again. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, best of luck. I, I recently did a stint. It is um, interesting, to say the least. Um, so we'll kick off, I suppose, Michelle, for my benefit and the listeners. Mm-hmm. Maybe give us a bit of a background on uh, what the what SCAT does and, you know, your role in SCAT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I guess um, at Friends of the Earth, we primarily um, campaign um, on the Strezlaki Koala, which is quite a niche um, issue, I guess, in itself. And part of that involves raising awareness because not many people know of the Strezlaki Koala. So they are a small uh, population of koalas, we believe between 1,500 to 2,000 animals. And they live in the Strezlecki Ranges, but over time they have radiated out um, into South Gippsland and into the Latrobe Valley, uh, hence the name Strezlecki Koala. Um, And they were believed to be one of the only um, populations, one of the only populations of koala that were able to survive the hunting expedition earlier in the 1800s and in the early 1900s um, as koalas in Victoria and South Australia were thought to almost be extinct in the 1920s. Um, However, this small population of koalas um, somehow held on um, and that may be because they are found in the ranges in quite steep terrain. back in um, when colonisers were trying to farm the land, they actually didn't um, last long in the Strezlecki Ranges because it was too steep 
and too hard to farm, so they actually abandoned a lot of their farms. So that could be part of the reason as to why people didn't know that there was this small population of koalas. Um, so there's a lot of history. Um, so whilst there was this population of koalas in the Strasliki Ranges, um, there were also a couple of koalas um, that were translocated from mainland Victoria to French Island and Phillip Island. Um, and over time, being on an island, um, these koalas eventually bred up. However, their gene pool was quite limited. Um, and so these koalas over time were then returned to mainland Victoria. But unfortunately, their genetics have been compromised. Um, as they experienced a genetic bottleneck. Um, I hope that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it can be sometimes a bit um, confusing trying to explain the backstory. Yeah, cool. And so um, with these, I suppose, with that bottleneck and, and um, their role in the Gippsland region, sort of why are they so important um, for the, uh, you know, the ecology in this country? Mm. Yeah, well, I guess um, fundamentally, like, Genetic diversity is so key to any wildlife species because it helps them to, um, you know, sustain themselves into the future because they have a greater chance of fighting off disease and adapting to a changing climate. It adds to their resilience um, and just helps to make them more of a robust population. Um, however, of course, um, you know, one of their greatest th threats is climate change um, and... I don't think any, I'm not sure if any animal can really um, adapt at such a rate, but at least we know that they may have a greater chance of survival. Um, so that's why we're trying to advocate for their protection um, because they are already a compromised population of koalas. They are already at threat to logging, climate change. Um, they have a very, um, occupy a fragmented habitat and often when they um, descend in search for new forest, um, they put themselves at risk to vehicle strikes and um, dog and uh, fox attacks. Um, so, yeah, we're trying to advocate for their protection, um, and we've recently nominated them to be recognised under the EPBC Act, which is essentially Australia's federal environment law, which serves to protect um, threatened species as we think that will be um, a good step in the right direction to help protect them from future land clearing and land development. And are there any real protections in place at the minute for those things? I know that you, uh, in some of the background information you've given us, have said that you know it's not uncommon for these koalas to be in areas where lands are being cleared or areas where there's fires. So is there anything to actually help them right now? There is, unfortunately, very limited protection for the Strasleki koala Um there is the Wildlife Act, which is currently in review. Um, I can't remember. I think it's oh, 30 or 40 years old, so it's well overdue. Um, um, but Michelle, is that is that at a state level that you're talking about? Or yeah, thanks, Sam. Um, so the Wildlife Act is state level. Um, we also have the Flora and Fauna Act guarantee, Um However, that does not include the Strasliki koala because of the way um, the policy has been written. It doesn't incorporate for um, doesn't incorporate to protect um, the koala for their genetic diversity because they are considered as one species, not a subspecies. Um, so, they, because koalas overall in Victoria may be um, 
may seem um, robust, especially in comparison to the other states where um, the koala is um, has recently been uplisted to endangered. Um, unfortunately, because um, there are a lot of koalas in general across Victoria, um, they will not um, protect this small population because they are genetically diverse. Uh, so what what you're basically saying, Michelle, is that all koalas look the same to the state government. Exactly. Yeah. Andrews. Mm. Yeah. So there's been a, a lack of um, political will by the state government, which is kind of why we've jumped the hurdle and tried to seek a listing for the ko Strasleki koala on the federal level. Um, we have recently engaged with um, the Greens MP, Alan Sandow, um, and she has actually helped to raise the Strasleki koalas in Victoria Parliament um, for the first time to Environment Minister Lily D'Ambrosio um, to kind of encourage that the state does more to research um, about the Strasleki koalas and advocate for their protection and invest in more funding because at the moment... Um, we are out there surveying for scats, um, but there's so much land to cover and we are a very small team. Um, so it's, it's, it's just sad that, I guess, um, the future of this koala could be in literally our hands, which is why we need to, you know, kind of get the community involved and get their support and help us to kind of elevate the importance of this issue. Michelle, I know after uh, the summer of fires, we, as in Friends of the Earth, uh, held an information session, particularly around the Strasleki koala, and you had uh, two of the scientists that you and Anthony Amos have been working with, well, Amos has been working with for many years, maybe since the 90s, uh, and two things really struck me about uh, what was said that night. I think it was Steve. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve said that after the fires, they were estimating potentially 70% of koalas had been lost, uh, across Australia, uh, and that's a huge amount mm. considering that the population was already fragile and collapsing uh, across the country. Um, so I guess my question is, why is it that the state... Um, what are the reasons that the state Labor give? Is it because... You know, I was, I was being a bit facetious before, but actually, is it because they don't understand the science of genetic diversity and the importance that plays in protecting future populations? Or is it just that they are unwilling to um, change legislation to create uh, different uh, sort of subcategorizations for protection? Is there, yeah, is there a reason why the state government doesn't recognize the original gangsters are um, mm. in the koala land and why they're so important. They're, I mean, there's so much science now pointing to the genetic markers and genetic diversity of this subspecies. Mm. Yeah, well, um, it's also interesting because um, in December last year, we found out that um, four male Strasleki koalas had been translocated and taken across the border to South Australia because of their they genetic... They stole our baby. I know, right? Um, and there was no community consultation. It was kind of done in secrecy. We had no idea about this. And it just goes, you know, it makes us wonder if 
if um, other states can recognise the importance of these koalas, um, what, that they're why is, literally coming and kidnapping them and yes. driving them across the border. Like, why, why Why are we sitting still? Like, why are we not doing anything to help protect them and preserve them um, and ensure their future? Um, you know, I do wonder, like, if it is because, um, well, I guess in Australia's like your ranges, about 50% of the land is privatised and occupied um, by the local logging company. Um, and then you also do have in southwest Victoria um, what they call the Green Triangle, which is where they also produce a lot of um, timber harvesting, and that's where we also I see. I thought you were going to say marijuana. Oh, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> the Green Triangle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wonder if this comes into play. Um, if there are any ties with the um, logging industry, um, but yeah, well, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the first time the state government and the logging industry are working together, mm. you know, around forest. Mm. And so, does that mean that a lot of the Streslaki uh, ranges are un, under threat of logging? Yeah, that's right. Um, there's actually the Streslaki ranges as a bioregion receives the least amount of protection in Victoria. Um, and, yeah, a lot of that is because a lot of the land is owned by um, the local logging company, um, which is potentially why um, these koalas over time have radiated out of the Streslecki Ranges. I'm not 100% sure why over time they have, you know, kind of further dispersed um, from, like, I guess their historical origin. Um but it is also really interesting at the moment. Um, over the weekend, I was in South Gippsland um, looking for koala scats. Um, <laughs> what was that? As you do on your weekend. I know, why not? Look down, look for some poo. That stuff's gold to us. <laughs> um, because um, Kelly Smith is a honours student um, at Federation Uni in Churchill in South Gippsland and she's currently um, collecting koala scats from the Mornington Peninsula right across the Gippsland Plain to South Gippsland um, as she's wanting to do a DNA analysis of all these koala scats to look into their genetics, um, pre prevalence of disease, their historical origin. Um, so it'll be really interesting to find out... Um, well, to see what she finds through her research um, because uh, we do have a Strzelecki koala map um, which we add community sightings and when we go out to survey we add positive sites to this map um, which kind of spans out into South Gippsland um, but I guess we don't quite have that data to know whether these koalas are actually of um, the wild Strzelecki genome or not. Um, so it's really great that she's doing that research as well to continue to build that information because there is some research out there, but it is still, um, I guess, quite limited. Um, Sam, I reckon that I'm just going to do a little break for a community announcement if you just stay on the line there. Sure. Cheers. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. 
After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains. And the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and the Naro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR. Um, we'll just continue our interview with Michelle Baxter of the Strzelaki Koala Action Team, SCAT. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. Took a few practices in that 50-second segment there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Michelle, just for the broader koala community, I know you said you had some um, information that Amos had picked up about uh, Southwest koalas last week. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about that. Yeah, um, so Anthony, um, Amos, received some information um, just last Friday um, that there were um, burnt koalas found um, dead in the, I think it's the Mount Richmond National Park in southwest Victoria, which is kind of just outside of Portland. Um, so apparently there was um, a planned burn-off within 10 hectares and caught between the, that plant burn-off uh, were two koalas, um, which I believe um, were burnt alive in the tree. Sorry, I know this is quite graphic. Um, and they were believed to have dropped to the floor. Um, and then there were also another two koalas caught with um, severe burns and um, were found to be severely dehydrated after the burn. However, they were euthanised due to their ill health. Um, Michelle, when you say a planned burn-off, do you mean on a a private property or on state land or forest? So, yeah, I was in a national park, um, but I believe it was state-managed, the burn-off. I think it's forest oh what is it aren't they required to have like i know when they're logging they're required to have spotters checking for koalas before they do a burn aren't they supposed to gee i don't know look for animals that might be traps i know you would think so well they are exactly supposed to do that um and i believe um there is supposed to be someone from the department of um, environment, land, water and planning um, from the state agency to do a wildlife survey um, and just to check before and after. Um, and Anthony went out to site over the weekend to check it out and he said there were so many koala scats there. There was a strong evidence that koalas were living in that national park and it was well known before. Um, I believe it was a bushwalker who kind of walked in the area and found all these um, oh, no. on the ground, yeah. Um, so it's not like it was unknown. Um, there were scats everywhere, um, and there is known to be quite a large ko- koala population in the southwest Victoria. Um, so there are a lot of questions to be raised about this, and considering that was only a 10-hectare burn-off, which I believe is considered relatively small, however, 
uh, you know, over the next coming months, they're supposed to be doing like burning off so much more. And yeah, that puts a lot of question as to, um, you know, the future health of the wildlife, who's going to be caught up in this crossfire. Um, so who do we, who do we call and complain to about this, like, and ask the questions of is it, you know, the state uh, environment minister or yeah, who oversees that that burn off? Yeah, um, well, I believe <clears throat> I think it's forest. Oh, let me fire management Victoria. I'll have to double check that. Um, mm, we can put it in the show. Yeah, notes. definitely. Yeah, Environment Minister definitely would be one um, to raise this with. I know um, Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party has been involved and he said he would speak to um, Environment Minister. Um, we're going to write a letter to the Office of the Conservation Regulator to inform them of this and kind of raise the alarm. Um, but I guess, yeah, it's mostly a state issue. Um so, yeah, Environment Minister would be one um, and because also because she would oversee DELP, um, the department. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, very alarming because um, it's – and Anthony was like um, – he walked into the forest and he's never seen so many koala scats before. He took a photo. Um, like there was just of this gravel road and there was just scats everywhere. Like it looked like it had rained koala scats. And it's just, it just feels so bizarre because it's then like we're over in, you know, South Gippsland in the Streslecky Ranges looking for koala scats and if we find one, it's lucky. So it's interesting how there's such a different um, dynamic of um, koalas across mm. the state. So you can't just kind of put a blanket statement across Victoria and be like, yeah, they've got heaps of koalas, they're fine, we don't need to, like, enact any kind of management. And it's like, well, no, that's not the case. We need to kind of take a careful management approach with various koalas living in different regions of Victoria um, because... You would also think that after the fires, mm -hmm. um, we'd just be like, okay, we're just not going to log forests anymore. We're going to stick to the plantations, not go outside the zone, mm. you know, like, I, it's quite extraordinary, the lack of care when mm. biodiversity is collapsing all around us. Mm. Yeah, I guess maybe they kind of have this um, burn the bush mantra, um, mm. and I, maybe that's like partly um, inflamed by the bushfires, like, oh my, you know, but it's tragic that all these animals are... Yeah, exactly, like our ecosystems, our wildlife, they're very fragile, their ecosystems are declining um, and the way that they've handled it has been so poor and so negligent. Um, you would think that, um, well, I think actually some of them think that maybe because they have like this quota to meet of how much bush they have to burn um, during the season when they can make burn-offs, so they're just meeting that number. But what about... But they're not, you know, carefully managing how they do it, um, if they are to burn anyway, that is. Mm. Bad suppose, practice. Yeah, I suppose they're almost hoping that nobody walks past and sees it. If there's mm. so much evidence prior on such a small-scale burning, that's, mm. yeah, it's shocking, really. Um, and Anthony's written a blog post about this, right? Yeah, so he's written a 
blog post, um, which you can find on melbournefo.org.au forward slash koalas. Yeah, we'll, then, we'll make sure that's linked as well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, cool. Um, and he's also picked up um, a bit of media. Um, he's also written an article with uh, Yahoo News, um, and I think that's also been published in the UK. And um, the Herald Sun have also picked up on the issue. Um, so it's good in that sense, at least, that it's kind of getting out there and it's not being, you know, swept under the rug. Yeah, and I suppose if if we go from doom and gloom, which there's a lot of it, unfortunately, I know that you mentioned that you've been doing some youth work as well. Maybe we could mm. finish with a bit of a positive <laughs> um, downhill. <laughs> um, yes, and thanks to Sam, actually. Sam has played a big role in this. Um so earlier in the year, we received Cranky the Koala, who is our infamous koala mascot who loves to shuffle and crank out a few moves on the dance floor. And, and also, Michelle, did you see I sent you a photo this morning? It's Cranky's anniversary for locking on to a logging truck at the Laird Blockade in 2014, I think. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it. I'll have a look after the show. Um but yeah, Cranky um, is kind of our local ambassador um, and has a long campaigning history of fighting against um, fossil fuels and for saving and protecting Cranky's environment and wildlife. Um, but Cranky joined Sam, Phil and I um, at Friends of the... Oh, not Friends of the Earth. Strawberry Fields uh, Music Festival, um, end of March and start of April, uh, where we hosted a workshop as a way to inspire people to activism and to also speak about um, the Strasleki koalas um, and why Cranky's cranky about climate change. Um, and that was a great opportunity, I guess, to engage with the youth. Um, we also, um, with Cranky, busted a few moves on the dance floor, um, got behind <laughs> a DJ, which was fun. Um and recently, last week, we took Cranky um, to host a workshop with um, a cohort of Year 10 students um, as a way to engage with the youth. Um, and I think having Cranky on the scene um, kind of helps to add, um, bring a sense of lightheartedness as well as to how we um, raise awareness. Um, but yeah, um, Sam, how do you feel being Cranky the Qual? I know you felt... Felt the heat after stepping out of Cranky. Are you meant to uh, uh, let people know who's behind the mask? Is that is that okay? <laughs> I, I mean, look, it was an honour to help Cranky um, facilitate his uh, engagement. He's a legend in the environment movement and uh, so glad that Cranky's come down to Victoria to support the Stress Lakey, his uh, dear, dear relatives, and uh, also to, you know, get involved in uh, the forest movement down here, Cranky's uh, done a lot of lot of work around fossil fuels. But after the fires, I think Cranky just really realised how at risk all of his relatives were, and uh, decided to head south to help us out. So it's always an honour to. I don't. I, I think we're just facil animating Cranky. You know, Cranky's almost got a life of his own. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I just felt stuck inside of Cranky. Really. <laughs> Oh, good. So, 
I think we're pretty much running out of time. Um, I was wondering, Michelle, do you want to do a few key dates coming up and maybe give people an idea of how they can get their hands on some scat? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um, I know we're running out of time, but we do have a good news story because we um, have been surveying a forest um, east of the Strozeki Ranges. It's called Mullingdung State Forest. And we are discovering um, small colonies of Strozeki koala. Um, yes. Yes, it is one of the last remaining intact forests within the range of the Strozeki koala. Um, it was recently thought to be considered marginal koala habitat because um, of the soil and the presence of the eucalypt trees. However, um, knowing that it is one of the you know most intact forests, we're like, we still want to survey this forest and we have been pleasantly surprised. Um, however, we are asking the community for their support to help us um, to continue surveying these forests. Um, there have been sections which have been earmarked for logging by Vic Forests, so it's important that we carry out these surveys. However, it is a huge forest. It spans across 13,000 hectares. Um, and we would like to also invite the community to join us um, for some workshops so they can also come on board and learn how they can look for scats. Um, so that's kind of in the pipeline. Um, I don't have any dates finalised as of yet, but if you keep an eye on the um, on our uh, Koala webpage, there will be dates coming. Um, so we've launched a crowdfunder um, and we'll be rolling that out for um, until the end of June. Um, so if people would like to contribute, that would be amazing. Um, we also have our monthly SCAT meeting online happening this Thursday. It takes place on the first Thursday of the month um, between 6.30 and 7.30. Um, there'll also be a link to that in the show notes. Um, and I think that's all for now. Yeah, that's all for today, unfortunately. Um, thank you very much, Michelle, for coming in and giving us a great interview. And thanks, Sam, for being uh, patient and calling in from home there. I hope you have a good set. No worries. Right. Thank you. All good. Up next is uh, Bill and Mong Beats. We've been Dirt Radio. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.